Very chill, Brandon. Very chill. We're gonna put everyone to sleep. It's a summer breezy day. It's so hot in my office, the air conditioner is broken. Welcome, everyone, to episode 118 of the Light Shed Podcast. Brandon Ross, Walter Pysik, and the man himself, the incomparable Rich Greenland. You know, what upsets me, Brandon, is that you thought I was in high school in 2002. That is no, that's true. You were great. You were working. I mean, I was already, I think, seven years into it. <laughs> so it's just upsetting to say this song was from when I was in high school. But um, actually, it was only a year before I met Walt. Actually, when this song came out. So just to give you a sense what, what, of was it actually 2002? Because that what it says unless like, unless Spotify is wrong. This is slanted and enchanted, right? This is called Greenlander. From yeah, no, 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 no. But the album is slanted and enchanted. What year did that come out? It says 2000. Was it 2000? Was it that late? I don't Slanted and enchanted. I don't think our audience cares when it release. came out. Release. Okay. Let's um, let's get to uh, life. How's everything, Rich? Or whatever. Um, it was 92. Duh. Not 2002. I'm just telling you what it says on Spotify. Oh, it, well, Spotify is wrong. It is 92. Were you in high school in 1992, Rich? I was, Brandon Ross. Okay. Yes, I was. I was All in right. high school. I just like to be right once in a while. And I, I we are back to a regular it's a Friday 50, 50 recording. proposition. <laughs> We're recording on Friday. I know there's a lot of angst about recording early last week because it was a fairly hectic earnings week. Uh, this was a pretty crazy earnings week, too. But Wait a minute. You were in high school in 1992? Are you sure about that? Yeah, I graduated in... Wait. Ah, I was in college. I was in college. Yeah, you're right. I was in college. <laughs> You know, uh, thanks for keeping me honest, Walter. That just is doing um, some math. Just, just math. You did great math. I, I did. Well, you I never was not know. In high school. I was. I was in. I was in high school in I graduated in ninety one. That is factually true. Um. Yes, we know you're forty nine years old. That was established last week's podcast. I think in nineteen ninety two, I was in the basement of Smokey Joe's, and they were singing. I was just telling my kids this yesterday. My song was. Ice, ice, baby, but people will come up to me and say, Pice, Pice, baby. Oh, I like that. Was was there ever like an actual like karaoke version of that? Like where that was like sung? No, like, no, just this you know, is my you, fellow you students. smokes, right? I did, but on nights when I wasn't there, obviously you either work there or drink there or both. Yeah. Um, so Smokey Joe's all, is a yeah. bar in Philadelphia, I'm presuming. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's the bar just off, Penn, like slightly uh, okay. off okay. Penn so, campus. So, uh, I it is. Owned Penn. by, I didn't owned go by to my Penn. high school and fraternity uh, brother, Sean Ryan's family. Didn't, 
didn't Playboy rate it as the best college bar in America at one point? That's when imagine. Playboy was a relevant thing. Yeah, I can't imagine that's true <laughs> given what it's, I see on TikTok at, at some of these southern schools. I think times have just changed, maybe, Walt. Maybe. Or it just wasn't like that. My daughter and I were watching Bama Sorority Rush, which is back featured on TikTok. Um, it's insane. This, it's this it's literally week. the craziest yeah. TikTok in the entire world. Like, it's hard to believe it actually happens. Just it doesn't look like anything like my college yeah. experience. What about <laughs> your daughter's college experience, Rich? It is. It's Rush is still not. Li- I mean, yes, there is Rush. <laughs> you, but it doesn't look like that. <laughs> I just wanted to trip you up a little, Rich. Why don't we get to the first slide? <laughs> oh, God. This is. Hey, Brandon, you like my shirt today? Uh, Live Nation, pretty big earnings. Okay, let's yesterday. get to the first. Slide. Obviously, we'll get the to the first slide. Down two percent, though, because why not? So the there was certainly no bigger news in media land this week than Warner Brothers Discovery. And there was what was weird about earnings is that there was leak after leak after leak heading into earnings. Like it was like a nonstop set of like news reports. There were things like being said like. HBO Max is going to be buried inside of the Discovery Plus app and Warner HBO Max is abandoning all of the original series that that H, that were Max specific shows like it was just room or rumor or speculation after speculation. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a leak because none of it was true. But it was just like a crazy lead up and you know t- to the kind of the first big earnings report after the you know after the, the transaction with AT&T closed. We've got a few tweets here, but I'll read the first uh, couple to start off. Jessica Tunkel tweets, we are not in the business of trying to pick up every sub. We are in the business of getting paid, David Zaslov. Well, they did abandon something, Rich. They uh, abandoned growth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) (laughs) next tweet. (laughs) Yanko Rogers has Warner Brothers Discovery's new streaming strategies to undo its old streaming strategy. And I I think that's sort of what we should fixate on because this is a complete reversal, right? Like the, there are two schools of thought right now. Actually, there's three schools of thought in Hollywood right now. There is the Disney, Netflix, Apple, and Amazon strategy, which is the only place to get our content is on our service. You have to exclusively come to us to watch our shows. And that's their strategy. Then you have the Peacock and, or NBCU and Paramount strategy, which is, yeah, we'll put some stuff on our streaming networks, but we're also going to sell to other people. Maybe we'll sell catalog. Like we're going to be an arms dealer. We're going to live in both worlds. And then there's the Sony strategy. If we only want to be an arms dealer, you know, forget about this streaming stuff. It doesn't make any money. We're just going to sell stuff to people who are in the streaming business. And you've seen Warner Brothers move from category one, where they were exclusive under Jason Kylar, to now taking a very, very clear change of path of we're going to sell lots of stuff. We're going to be on Amazon channels. We're going to sell stuff to Netflix. Like we're going to, we're basically going to undo everything from the last few years and go back to sort of a hybrid strategy. Can I ask, Rich? No, you can talk. I was going to let you take a little bit of lead on that. Obviously, the environment has changed in multiple ways. Well, first of all, they're dealing with leverage, right? So they have to be cognizant of being able to, you know, squeeze a little extra cash flow. It's manageable. They're a cash flow generating business. But two things have changed. One is 
Netflix stopped growing subs. So the idea that there's a ceiling came into view. Sure. And the second is that the macro changed. And a lot of the effect of that macro is, and this is related to number one, is going to hurt the core business at Warner Brothers Discovery, which is still cable networks. And you're seeing not only ad guidance for what, down double digits next quarter, which <laughs> is fucking mind-blowing. You don't see double I, I didn't realize the economy was that bad. But cord cutting, and this has been a theme throughout you know, the last week, really, really has accelerated um, this quarter. I think we're looking at what high single digit declines kind of across the board. So you have this air pocket. There was supposed to be a smooth transition kind of as one business, you know, fell off, streaming took over and became a profit center. And that handoff isn't going to happen, which changes everybody's tact. Because either you're going to get way less profitable or you're going to invest way less. I just thought it was sort of, uh, there's probably a good word for it, but just hearing the the amount of complaining about AT&T's poor modeling and poor financial projections, it's just a little hard to stomach. Like you didn't know how Didn't bad you do diligence, by the way? I mean, this is like, the, <laughs> like this, this whole M&A thing, right? First of all, you're in the industry. Okay, so you should have a pretty fucking good idea when you go to buy an asset, what shape it's in. Secondly, you have a diligence period to figure these things out. So all of a sudden, AT&T was a fuck up. And you're saying that now, as opposed to enlightening your investors about that at the time when you bought the asset, seems very much like just a great excuse to me. Every person that's entered my house, be it a plumber, an electrician, an HVAC guy, always says that the last guy really botched this up, and I'm really going to save you. There's is a person. That, is this a person, an illusion right now? There's a person. There's a person by the name of Elon Musk who bought a company. And like, oh, I think there was news reports he used something that identified him his own account as a potential um, bot. Oh, I can't believe what the last guy did. So I think it's just typical. And like when you buy something, you know, props to to Zaz. You you want to kitchen think sink things and say how bad it was, so that in a couple of quarters, when you've driven down those expectations so low that you can say, like, look what I did. Aren't I great? So I I don't think you can discount the possibility or the probability that Zaz and, and team are are doing something like that. Basically setting this up to outperform after they've lowered the bar to a level that no one, I mean, but it bro, it's, it's, it's I mean, kitchen sinking. That, yeah. But yeah. your kitchen sinking actual, you can't kitchen sink actual results. And the actual results themselves were pretty fucking bad. Am I wrong? Yeah, but look, well, they can, can do a lot of things now to prop it up. And you, you can kitchen sink results to a certain extent. Um in terms of front loading some costs and things yeah. like that. I guess that's the And you- taking write downs. And we saw that here with, with Batgirl. I think there are, you know, tax reasons you probably want to do stuff. And yeah. by the way, uh, you, you don't have to pay talent anymore on the back end when you do stuff like they did, which is interesting because wasn't that kind of team 
critical of what Jason did in potentially being talent unfriendly and putting stuff direct to HBO Max. I don't know. But I'm just going to give Warner Bros. the bros a pass on that because I think that's normal. And frankly, I don't think Stanky's going to give a shit. The guy's got thick skin. He's been attacked for far more things than that. And can frankly pat himself on the back for dumping this if it's if any of this stuff is true. I guess the thing that you can question though is not the state of it, but what the plan is for the future. Meaning that, like, and again, you can fill in on this, Rich and Brandon, as the media kings, that <clears throat> like is the strategy going forward the right strategy? Well, so I think the the interesting thing there is, you know, we've got this tweet from Alex Sherman. WB streaming services lost. I know you love Alex Sherman. WB streaming services lost 300,000 subs domestically. Peacock said subs were flat. Disney hasn't reported. The, quote, Netflix problem may be a, quote, streaming problem. And I think that sort of speaks to um, your question, Walt, of like, is this the right strategy? And I think, the you know, if you're not prepared to go super aggressive into streaming and, you know, look, the, the EBITDA of HBO has gone from two and a half billion to like 500 million over the last couple of years. I mean, it's been eviscerated by spending and investing on streaming. I think- By the way, this- sub growth has been great sure. overall. But, like look at the but, trajectory. But I think this is an admission of like, we're not at four and a half times levered. We are not prepared to throw everything into streaming. And we're going to take a more measured approach, focus on generating more cash. We're not going to go head to head with Netflix. It's actually- in, in a strange way, I think actually this is a pretty positive development for Netflix stock. Like this is them. We're not launching as many markets. Like there is a real pullback on HBO Max aggressiveness. No, I, no absolutely. Right. And I mean, this you, is what Reed and, and us talked about a few months ago. Like, we, like that exactly. the unsustainableness His, of the Reed's, spending. Reed's thesis was exactly what you just said, that all of his competitors eventually would realize that they can't keep spending because their core business is eroding too quickly. And that while there may be a little bit of, I'll use the word air pocket again for Netflix, at some point the competition would fall off and it would become all their game. And by the way, 99% of the time, Reed is right on the long term. Let's talk bots because Walt brought it up. So Walt, you want to just read this? Because I think both there's some interesting stuff on here on, on Twitter. It's a lot of tweets. I don't know. I know. But start. I guess I'll read left to right. The tool yeah. Elon used to calculate bots on Twitter's listed his account as a likely bot, which I think I already just talked about. The quote is, I'll just read the quote because I think it's entertaining. And we're in the entertainment business here. Correct. Um, the company <laughs> said that Musk's team, Info that's kind of hard to say, Musk's, <laughs> when you have a K with possessive, it's always hard because it's like Musk's, Musk's team Musk's. relied on a public internet application called the Botometer, which applies different standards to calculating bots than Twitter does, and which, quote, earlier this year designated Musk himself as highly likely to be a bot, close quote, the legal document said. So basically, uh, the due diligence, whatever this, are, I don't know what the source is of all the stuff, but basically the, the, uh, they're alleging, or I guess Twitter's alleging, that the due diligence that Elon is, is uh, trying to cite to get out of this deal was is kind of garbage in terms of the bottom meter. Well, didn't yeah. Elon say though that the reason he knew there were so many bots was because he was counting his own followers? I didn't I didn't know he was using the bottom meter. By the way, 
This Maybe is, we should use the bottometer ourselves. This is a guy who is probably the most sophisticated technology entrepreneur of our lifetimes, right? And he's using a public internet application called the bottometer. Well, those that know the most knows know how to massage the <laughs> yeah. data that is out there. But I think the thing that's sort of fascinating Facts about just this tell them tell us what they want we want yeah, them but, to. But the, problem with the, yeah. but the problem with the facts are it's sort of irrelevant because this entire thing isn't actually based on like the bot number wasn't part of his agreement. Like that, he never put his view of what bots needed yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. But that's Rich, what's crazy about this. The, the idea is, and I think Walt, you know, has said this a couple of times that if you misrepresented yourself in public filings, yep. that's the way out. Correct. Um, so but hey, Twitter, but but so Twitter's always meter. Yeah, but as long as they see. can substantiate what they've done, and if how, whatever method Twitter uses, and they compare it against the bottom meter, I'm guessing that probably holds up in court. We'll say fifty four twenty. So yeah, I mean it's, you're putting the stake in the ground right now again, Rich. Fifty four twenty. This thing gets done right based I, on. I'm everything, not putting that know? stake in the ground. No, that's just a greenfield stake. That's a greenfield you stake. Walt, what's, what's your stake? Um, I think it's going to be, um, what's the stock at now? I think they have to basically split the difference. It's like 20 bucks a share. We're, $20. Now, at 40, well, no, now we're at 42. I know, but the lot. unaffected price was 30. So I think it's, I don't know. Although the it's, market, it's like whatever, whatever the second. share count is times 20 bucks a share, I think is my number. Maybe Mark can do that simple math on that for us and let us, let me know what that is. For a, um, additional breakup fee. Yes, uh, on top of the billion. Yep. Okay. And so you think that Elon never runs this business? I mean, again, if you can get out for less of a price, you don't really want to run it anyway. And I don't know. That's that's just what I think. It, it probably that's the top of my bill. Who know who the fuck knows? But like you know, in terms of the probabilities, that feels to me like the top of the bell curve. Let's talk a little Roku. Uh, because we had, uh, this is from Richard Fitzgerald, who quoted a, a couple of different CNBCs. But on June 22nd, 2022, Anthony Wood was on CNBC. And he said, our ad business has been growing like, quote, gangbusters. Uh, but Wood did acknowledge some short-term cyclical issues. And then, you know, call it just over five weeks later, just I think literally five weeks later, in Q2, there was a significant slowdown in TV advertising spend due to the macroeconomic environment, and they actually pulled guidance for the entire year. Um, June 22nd, based on my calendar, is the second to last week of Q2. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's pretty amazing how fast the connected TV universe is sort of falling you know, oh, it all happened in a week. No, I, I mean, <laughs> just saying like, you know, via or Paramount, sorry, I keep calling it Viacom, but Paramount, I think it was like 50% down to 10% in terms of the Pluto yeah. deceleration, like the ad market, you made the comment earlier, Brandon, about Warner Brothers Discovery looking at negative double digits in, in Q2. Now, part of that's currency, so it's not completely fair, yeah, but, absolutely. but it is certainly high single digits domestically, you know, just remember we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, the comments from the ad agency saying everything is fine, raising expectations, everything is great. And now, you know, we're seeing mobile cliff dive and now we're seeing connected TV cliff dive well, we were and seeing traditional rich. TV. We had our, 
you know, plenty of meetings with the connected TV industry throughout the quarter. And we did see that degradation kind of accelerate throughout the quarter. We first really started to hear of weakness when that was right after Memorial Day that week was when, and then it is true by the end of the quarter, we were hearing like shit got bad. So basically kids got out of school and and people started spending on travel as opposed to products. I mean, you also saw cable. I I think Comcast talked about a a quick deceleration in June, which continued into July. So I don't know. I mean, seems pretty consistent with what's what we're hearing from other companies. Yeah. That mix shift was very apparent, obviously in live nation earnings, um, which happened last night. And I don't know. I can pull that up. Yeah. I can pull that up. Why don't we just switch, you know, right over to that. Um, This is from Claire Atkinson. Experiences are back. Over 100 million tickets sold for Live Nation's 2022 concerts, already exceeding full year 2019 fan count. And obviously 2019 was the last COVID unaffected year. Um, There was the Ocesa acquisition that came in which is contributing a little bit to this, but that business is completely on fire with no signs of slowing down. The interesting thing about this is it's not just the tickets sold, but it's the prices at which tickets are being sold. And ticket pricing overall is up low double digits um, in addition to this growth. And it's going to be quite a year um for the life entertainment business and i just wonder if if the, yes i was uh, gonna say well i know ticket pricing is something that's yeah well done mr rapino um in terms of executing yeah executing and really on the front um of the house the best tickets is is you know where this is taking place um ticket prices are up significantly there but in kind of like the entry level, they've been able to keep ticket pricing flat. Not that it's really Live Nation's choice. You know, the artists are the ones who decide where where to price these tickets. Right. And frankly, I don't know the math, but it seems like you could jack the, the good tickets up enough to help subsidize people that are hurting at the low end, which is going to make the artists happy and net net end up making more. And that's, and your and your brand is actually better that way, I would think. Yeah, that's exactly what they've done um, so far, Walt. And um, assuming we'll you don't end the, up throwing the, beer bottles at all the all the jerk offs in the front row. Yeah. <laughs> well, that well, that's kind of. <laughs> or, the, is gonna, or is it going to be like Yankee Stadium where these people buy the tickets and then don't show and up? Then so it's you just, just, you, and then it just you see the empty seats does, behind that home doesn't, plate. That doesn't really happen at concerts, <laughs> no, I don't I think, because it's not just like corporations who are buying, you know, season tickets. Yep. Right. So the question though is like, but you there know, is room. I just want to say before you go on to to your last point. The secondary market ticket pricing is coming up still much faster than primary ticket prices are coming up, right? So because that, supply that demand go- is still that gulf up. is still pretty is still pretty wide, right? That just means they need to jack price even faster. Um, so th- I just wonder if you know. Look, you had a lot of people buying goods, and now there are services and experiences. 
is there going to be a saturation point where there's going to be, you know, this is kind of peak and then you go into X year and it's, and you just don't have the same type of, whether it's, that's that's why the stock is down. That's That's why the stock's down. That's the 2023 question. And that's what, I mean, if you look at live nation earnings, the last two quarters, two absolute blowouts, right? Numbers are continuing to go up, but the stock is down. And I don't think it's down because, you know, fucking WBD is down as some are hypothesizing. I think it is because no one is still certain about 2023, despite all the KPIs going in the right direction and the supply being intact for next year. And we're not going to know that, I guess, until things start to go on sale for next year, which, you know, we're not that far away from. I mean, job growth is solid, but I mean, if you... If you sub- subscribe to the kind of the view of the haves and the have-nots, and you're driving revenue by jacking the price to the haves up up front and cutting price back on the back end, then theoretically, even though the ticket sales on unit numbers might be good revenue-wise, they might they might be still in a decent situation for 2023. Yeah, you're 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 threading the needle and and making it accessible theoretically to everything and then all those new yorkers that flew to italy last year now they can spend money on concerts because they're they just they got all their pasta last year (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) all right that's a good segue too uh well no we're gonna stick we're gonna sort of i don't know what that's a segue we're gonna stick to like i think the inflation theme meatballs (laughs) okay uh rich this will be my tweet i guess from roger chang Friend of Lightshed. Nice scoop by Eli Blumenthal, not friend of Lightshed. Verizon cuts staff just a few weeks after T-Mobile did the same as the wireless are feeling the heat. This is, I mean, we just wanted to put this in there just because, as I mentioned before, you know, X growth, what do you do? You increase price and you cut costs. And there's some evidence of that happening. I just want to also point out one small data point as it relates to earnings. And this is not a perfect comp, but it's interesting nonetheless. Everyone's familiar with DSL, right? It's that slow, shitty, they claim it's broadband, but let's just call it internet connectivity. Frontier is a company is Gen, that's- I have a question. Is Gen Alpha familiar with what DSL is? Um, who's Gen Alpha? That's after Gen Z. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> He thought I was like a Twitter handle, like a Twitter <laughs> troll. Oh, I was like trolling us. I'm like, who's Gen Alpha? Oh my God. Um, I, didn't, I, I had only no idea. That's, that's yeah. Because Gen Z doesn't even no, know. No, they the probably don't know. Is. Yeah. I, oh, sorry. No, I just ruined the punchline of my story. I was on with um, a client and his assistant had to come on because he jumped off and his, and there was that noise like, beep, 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 beep. Yeah, and I was like, oh, sounds like there's a fax machine. She goes, yeah. what's a fax machine? What's a fax machine? And I was yeah. like, I'm so fucking old. <laughs> uh, they do that on TikTok to educate the youth. Um, anyway, so so DSL is like shitty service, whatever. So you you have two, two things you can do if you have a shitty service. You can cut price to maintain customer, or you can say, fuck it. We're losing them anyway. We might as well increase the price on the existing base. So that's what Frontier did to these crappy DSL customers. Their ARPU went up $2 sequentially. And when you look at it, they claim they had no churn impact, but let's say that's bullshit. We do, we calc it out because they report churn, unlike cable to any cable company. Frontier does report the churn of the broadband customers. There was 6,000 more customers that churn in Q2 than Q. Bottom line is they've, they've shown evidence where if you increase price, 
it more than offsets the churn that you experience. So let's just go back to what I think the wireless company should be doing. Good job in cutting costs in an inflationary market and your X growth. Increase price. Like, I don't know where else you're going to find revenue growth. Thank you. That's well, end of telco section. Well, Thank no, you. no, I don't think it's end of telco because I want to oh. stick on telco for a second what? because because there's a topic we didn't touch because I screwed up the podcast last week with a Thursday recording. We did have a company called Charter Report, remember? <laughs> and they sort of were in complete denial about competition from wireless. And I was just curious to get sort of Walter's reaction to Charter in denial. I don't think, I don't think it's any additive because it was basically just more the same of, of Comcast. And they kind of blur together to me now in terms of denying wireless being a competitor. But again, if you just compare the Q2 broadband net ads of Comcast and Charter from last year versus this year, it dropped like whatever it was, six or 700,000. Just coincidentally, if you look to the wireless, fixed wireless broadband net ads of T-Mobile and, and Verizon, they increase by that that amount year over year. But I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's it, called it is a classic mix shift. Yeah, just is what it is. We'll see if it's sustainable. I mean, look, the big issue that I think people are going to grapple with now is ARPU. I think the, the cable bulls are still holding on to this concept of like, all right, fine. You're right. My net ads went from like 700,000 to nothing. So I've got no unit growth, but don't worry. I'm still going to get the ARPU growth of four or 5%. I, I mean, we'll see if that happens. Fiber is still building out Frontier and others are accelerating their build. You've got wireless nibbling at, at the at the bottom end. And by the way, let's say you you can do two to 3% ARPU growth. Like, so what? That's only a portion of your business. You're still a melting ice cube in terms of video and, and phone lines. So I don't know how you get the EBITDA growth to sustain um, you know, the type of share repurchase that we've seen in recent years. Thank you. Have a nice day. So uh, I'll read, because um, I know this is your favorite topic, so we can just watch for Walt's um, facial expressions as I read this. This is from Bloomberg Politics. FTC Chair Lena Khan led, fem- led fellow Democrats in the agency's majority vote to sue Meta Platforms this week, despite the staff recommending against bringing a case over the company's acquisition of Within Unlimited. Within is a VR company that basically does VR fitness. Um, and then we'll get this- other things, yeah. Yeah, but let's just let's just that's do the their, Benedict that's Evans. That's their killer app. Right, but let's just let's just read Benedict Evans, who I think in his newsletter um, said it best. So the FTC's thesis is that Meta cannot buy within because Meta dominates VR, brackets, or will, and within dominates VR fitness, brackets, or will. But today we don't know what VR nor VR fitness will be, nor whether within or Meta will have dominance at all. Well said. I mean, Ben, that's a clever little whatever thing from Benedict because he likes to be clever. The 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 real the the takeaway here is you have another agency head just ignoring the staff and plowing ahead in a, a case and good luck with that. I mean, I think um, friend of Lightshed, Macon Del Rahim, did the same when he tried to um, to block the the AT T's acquisition of Time Warner. I think it was, and also there was probably you could dig up press reports about how he ignored the staff recommendation and how did that end up. Yeah, look, I think the challenge is if you're the government, do you allow things to happen before the dominance is obvious? Like you didn't stop Instagram. In hindsight, you probably would have liked to. 
how, how, do, what do you do? I, I don't think I know the answer, but can you stop things because you fear the power of these large tech companies, even if they don't yet have dominance in a sector? Because clearly Facebook is, or sorry, Meta is clearly not dominant in VR today. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you would argue that Instagram should have been blocked, I guess, even though it was just as from, tiny and nascent at the time. From a hardware right. install, like, unit perspective i think maybe they are dominant but of what of a tiny at this point niche industry it's I mean, not like they, like even they collect if you, dust in drawer they're, they're drawer dust collectors at the instagram acquisition like social media was already you know a multi-billion dollar advertising i mean i guess the argument against that brandon is you need a lot of startup companies building the innovation to to test to see whether this is really a market because when you have a dominant company buying something that is in fact small it's perhaps squashing something that puts their revenue to rest that that's the theory i'm sure behind um you know what they want to do but again i think if you're leading an agency um to say you're not political is that's just a, a farce right so if you're not listening to career staffers you're going to try your hand at it and like, okay, you're just going to lose. And then whatever, you just move on to teaching at a university again. Brandon of Instagram, Alex Heath, Instagram spokesperson, based on our findings and community feedback, we're pausing the full screen test on Instagram so we can explore other options. And we're temporarily decreasing the number of recommendations you see in your feed. All I can say is, Thank God on the former, because I was completely out of sorts using Instagram. On the recommendation side, I actually love the recommendation. So as a user, you know. It, it shows the tension pivoting and taking something that people have used for a singular purpose. Clearly, Mark was very clear last week, we have to go in this direction. And I think they know that, <laughs> you know, they've got real issues. It's just a matter of. Now you're at this tension of you're trying but to do, be but something. do they? I mean, I, I think that there is this additional category that has come to light via TikTok of sort of entertainment in entertainment graph that you're not exactly conscious of. So, so what happens to right? pictures? So, no, they, no, so what so happens to pictures in the future? What, do you, what happens to pictures? What do you think that, happens to pictures? Like, where are we going to share pictures in the future? I don't see why Instagram can't continue to be, you know, that, or at least some of the time that why it has to go all the way in another direction because somebody else is when there is still a want and need for the original purpose of the application. Therein lies the challenge. Do no, I mean, that, that's the catch 20. I, I don't know what it is. If it's catch 22, innovators dilemma, some kind of, you know, mixture. Um, between the two, but you don't want to neuter the, your own identity to chase somebody else's identity. Well, there speaking of middle ground, and they actually executed that middle ground very well when it came to the snap competition, right? Because snap, because it was stories that they were able to add up top. They didn't go Correct. all the way in the communications direction and change their identity to copy snap. They used 
pieces of what Snap did to enhance their own platform, which you could still do with AI recommendation without neutering the core of your platform. Okay, let, let's stick to neutering because I think neutering is a perfect word to segue <laughs> to our next slide. You really which wanted is, to get off. Well, yeah, because I really wanted to use neutering because Apple is planning to put ads. This is from The Verge. Apple is planning to put ads right in the App Store's Today tab. So we obviously know that Apple has done a lot to make it much more difficult for um, app developers to market themselves on mobile with all of the IDFA and AT&T, the ATT privacy changes at the same time that they're clearly taking advantage of it, of, you know, using it as a way to drive their own ad business. Obviously, that's privacy compliant because it's not being shared externally, but it is certainly Apple taking advantage of, you know, using this opportunity to push ads in the app store. And obviously that's, I assume, good for services revenue, Walt. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, they've got Alternative their own motives, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it just, I guess it brings back Lena Khan and understand the bigger picture of what impacts companies and development and how do you define development in terms of the type of companies that are out there, whether it's software, hardware, uh, you know, whatever you have. So and how the two interplay with each other. What we learned is that the operating system is king. It is it is not the platform sure. that's king. Right. And Every, everything we believed in the past about platforms ultimately is not true. It, look, you know, it actually makes you think like, you know, you're, you know, if you think about the television side of the equation, like, you know, Microsoft now buying Activision, we're, we're going to get to that in a second, but like yeah. how much TV OS and where the ambitions could be there long-term, like does Microsoft buy a Roku over time or like maybe they end up buying Netflix, but like just how do they keep building? Cause it feels like right now you've obviously got Apple uh, and Google. And I think the company that seems in intriguing in this OS world is Microsoft. And I'm just not sure yet how they fit, but they That's clearly right. have. You're talking about television OS, but then there's well, they have the next gaming generation system. computing OS, right? Which Facebook, fucking the company formerly known as Facebook, aka Meta, um, is hoping to become the de facto operating system for. Why don't you read? Uh, let's do a little Activision. Kotaku. Sony says Call of Duty is an, quote, essential game series, while Microsoft argues it ain't. What a shock. They're trying to get, <laughs> Microsoft is trying to get a deal done that is going to help them take share from Sony. And they say it's not going to take, you know, be anti-competitive. And Sony says it will. Everyone's arguing their book here. Um, what is the outcome of this Call of Duty thing? My guess is, and Walt is the right regulatory expert more so than me, is that um, Microsoft Xbox will agree to continue to um, allow Call of Duty to be on Sony PlayStation, while what they'll do is make it exclusive to their streaming platform. Yeah, right. I don't know, dude. I mean, it, this is over my skis in terms of this version of <laughs> of antitrust and regulatory for sure. But right. I mean, if they promise a certain thing, then obviously that helps. But you know, again, if it's large companies flexing the power of their platform, 
um, or game, then I think that that seems to be a target with the current administration. Well, and I think that's sort of Will Hershey um, who yeah. tweeted out this sort of comedic line, Microsoft's comedic. buying Candy Crush for $70 billion because... Well, I think that is a commentary on Activision's Q2 earnings result. Um, and what you saw out of King, which is principally Candy Crush, is... Um, continued growth uh, users were actually down mau were down not so badly but they were down but arpus continued to rise and advertising revenue is continuing to go up i think it was up 20 percent in the quarter whereas if you look at the rest of the business especially at cod which we were just talking about you had some problems now i don't I think that this is a pretty myopic view, um, even though it was comedic, of what's going on, because you do have D4, Diablo 4, coming out next year. I think that's going to sell a shit ton of units. Overwatch comes out in the fall, free to play. Don't know exactly how well that's going to do. But then your COD is still the absolute, you know, if you look up over the last, you know, 10 plus years best-selling um, franchise in, on a year-in and year-out basis. And they have a much, theoretically, a much better game coming out this year than they did last year in modern in the Modern Warfare series, which the last Modern Warfare set records. Um, so I think actually, with all the bullshit that's happened at Activision, next year could wind up being a very good year, such that if this deal breaks and you start to look at EPS next year, I don't know that the stock would even trade down that much from where well, That would be an interesting, I mean, right now. Anyway, I digress. That is my soliloquy on games. <laughs> Gaming <laughs> um, section over. Gaming uh, section over. We've got a deadline Hollywood tweet. Lionsgate exec said the company's still on track to announce a deal for stars next month and close as early as next spring. But talks have expanded to possibly including the studio as well, which, again, sort of always made sense to us, like the idea that you were going to leave this little stub studio of Lionsgate. Remember, Lionsgate was not a terribly viable stock uh, in the public markets before they bought stars. They basically bought it so they had a balance sheet. So selling stars and then just being back to a very tiny studio in a world of giants didn't make a lot of sense to us. And the, the stars results were good. I mean, like this, you know, subscribers are actually growing. They're, they're, they're actually added a little bit of subscribers in the U.S., not, a, I mean, very small, but they actually are adding subscribers in the U.S. versus others who are, you know, I think HBO Max and Discovery together were down, as you talked about earlier, Brandon. So the numbers weren't bad. It's just, I think the question becomes sort of like, who needs this? I mean, we, we've always thought that like Comcast needs more scale. We keep talking about how Comcast sort of needs to figure out a strategy for their company right now. I've been surprised they haven't shown interest in having, you know, more of a, a more of a, a complementary asset in stars and and not that the Lionsgate library I think is huge. That, I think there is an asset that they want. But I don't uh, think it's going to happen for a couple of years. Meaning Warner Brothers Discovery or yeah. Paramount or both? Probably WBD, right? But you know, like, why even, like, if you want to make a big move, why entangle yourself with small moves on the way that may work against you in regulatory? 
if that is your ultimate goal. That's true. And if you think about Brian, like again, Brian is the control person in and is ultimately going to decide what gets bought and what doesn't. We've had the discussion on on Lionsgate. Like these things are a pimple to him. If he wants to continue to empire build, right? There's different ways to go about it and not use any bullets along the way. Plus, by the way, Brian has some other things to focus on, right, Walt? Yes, he does, Brian. <laughs> uh, Brandon, why don't you read Match? Sure. This is from Tech Insider. Match Group says it's stepping back from its <laughs> metaverse dating plans, citing the. Uh, I didn't economy. know they had metaverse dating plans. <laughs> to be clear, I just wanted to say that I did not know about. I think that. It, it was part of. Uh, you know, coming out of the HyperConnect acquisition. Was this in Matt Ball's did. book by the by any chance? Um, I I don't know. I haven't read Matt Ball's book yet. I'm not saying I'll never read it, but given my ADD, I probably can't get through it anyway. Um, yeah, anyway, Match Group says stepping back from its metaverse dating plan, citing the economy and uncertainty about quote what will and what and won't work on the new platform. Uh, I think that Match Group needs to focus on its core business right now which is you know very nicely decelerating at a time when they expected i think the quote was i thought you uh, said it was recession proof or it was behavior like it was just fundamentally no, changing no, no, no. behavior no they they thought that i mean and it has fundamentally changed behavior right the question is on growth in the future there is what has happened and is happening versus what will happen. And I think you're seeing in a lot of mobile businesses right now, they've been around for a long time. They've already fundamentally changed behavior and they're becoming mature businesses. And I don't, I think that online dating fits that sort of narrative at at this point. And they were like, oh, we think this summer could be amazing. It's going to be the return from COVID, quote, the summer of love. And that's not something that you're seeing right now. And I think the other thing that's going on at Match, if you bring up um, the slide, I mean, this is obvious stuff, but um, is a bit of instability across the organization. A bit? Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean a bit? A bit of instability. They've had like 72 different executives come in and out over the last six years. Yes. And, uh, you know, this BNN newsroom CEO of Tinder is leaving the firm in less than a year after becoming the boss of the dating app as part of a management changes announced by company uh, Match Group. Okay. Um, So she took over for Lanzone um, in... September of last year. Okay. Lanzone took over in July of the year before. Okay. So that's, that's it. Tinder, right? Then you like, think about match group, which is the parent. Um, Shar Doobie took over in January of 20 was out. What was that? I don't even know, like six months ago. Um, Right when Bernard Kim took over from Zynga. Um, and before that, um, Shar was only there since 2017 as CEO of that organization. I have not seen a company with this much turnover 
in my entire career. I can't even keep track of who's where. No, neither can I. That's why I asked, I had asked Mark to make me a cheat sheet. You remember when we used to mark off all the Twitter executives that were yeah, not Twitter, Twi- there? Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess Twitter at the top had all of that turnover, right? Correct. They did have a lot for a while. Yeah. Let's go to the next slide. Walt, why don't you read this? From front office sports, Dude Perfect will broadcast a series of Thursday night football games this season on Amazon Prime. Amazon will run several, several alternate TNF feeds. This the what? All right, start over. Start over. Start over. Start over. The the tweet has an extra the in it. It does. Start over. Just fully start over. Okay. Let's go to the next slide. And action. Let's go to the next slide. Walt, why don't you read this one on your favorite topic? From front office sports, Dude Perfect will broadcast a series of Thursday night football games this season on Amazon Prime. Amazon will run several alternate TNF feeds this season, opposite the main broadcast with Al Michaels and Kirk. I have no Herb idea. Street. Street. Kirk Herb Street. I don't know who that is. And that's why we need alternate alternatives. Audio feeds. To, alternative. Because to Al Michaels cast. is terrible. We'll call Boomer. This is what Al Michaels is. That's his, that's his, what he says on all his broadcasting. So thank you, Amazon, for delivering this very needed technological benefit and obviously going to youtube one of the one of the best platforms in terms of monetization of talent and what they're willing to pay and but al michaels did have an amazing call in 1980 okay you can't live on a call from 1980 forever (laughs) but but do you you believe in miracles well (laughs) i mean look if I had to choose between Al Michaels and Joe Buck, obviously I'm going to go with Al Michaels. But like Al Michaels is also like he's a giant homer. And oh, he here, we with that. here we go. Because he, he doesn't even bother eagles, to, eagles, to filter eagles, it eagles, out. Eagles. He doesn't bother to filter it out. And he goes, you'll see. Goals. What was interesting, <laughs> though, can I just add a little bit of what's interesting about this also is that. Uh, it was sort of media day for Amazon Sports, and they had a you know this week. And Andy Jassy was actually on set with Al Michaels, and, and I think what's interesting is you know Jassy's actually going to the Code Conference first week in September and speaking. I have to imagine it's tied to the beginning of Thursday Night Football, and it just it feels like there is a lot of focus and sort of advanced marketing going into Thursday Night Football for Amazon. Obviously, we'll all be watching how many people actually tune in versus, you know, last season obviously was on Fox. So, like, what actually happens to viewership? We all know it's going to be down, but Amazon's doing a lot to sort of ramp up. And I think things like Dude Perfect, figuring out interesting ways to engage people is very interesting heading into this. Engage younger audiences. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Which is crucial to that. So what's amazing about this is the NFL is the most powerful sports franchise league whatever you want to call it in the world in the world in the world not so, epl not epl the reality is that the nfl doesn't even need to make these types of technic technical changes right it, it, it makes you wonder how these secondary sports like baseball or basketball or whatever aren't willing or, or aren't pressing forward more aggressively with their own technological advancements whatever that might be because there's there should be there's more pressure on them to do it as opposed to the NFL content 
which by far is better than everything. Have you heard of Statcast? What's Statcast? No. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the you know real technological advancement that's happened in baseball. No, no, it, just, Brandon, it makes I'm the game about... even nerdier, though. Okay, right? but and it, that's Amazon it... too, I think. Right? Does, does Statcast? Um, reduce they'll the tell you fl- like the spin rate on the baseball they'll tell you how fast the base um what the velocity is at which the ball was hit stuff like that that would definitely get kids interested the launch in the launch angle oh yeah i mean it, Math, it makes geometry it makes that's really base, fascinating it makes stuff. baseball as nerdy as possible yeah but how about just changing the rules and making it an interesting game yeah, I mean, I'm, a, rules, I'm already falling asleep just changed. talking about baseball. But Can we just go on but, to the next topic? Well, we're going on. We're going way, on to something that is not boring. Huge fucking go. Mets win last night. Here we go. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I thought you were a Mets fan now. I'm fired up. Let's go. We should have gotten, we should, we gotten the Mets meme up here, Brandon, that you learned about yesterday. Um, Claire Atkinson has a tweet from one of our. So this is a blast from the past topic. We haven't talked about it in quite a while. Fubo TV has laid off staff in the U.S., making a small workforce reduction as it takes a conservative approach to growth. Remember, it's still gross margin negative business, by the way. Uh, and then Justin from Darren Ravel, uh, Fubo TV closed its deal to buy Victory in March 2021. Now says that in light of the current economic environment, the company has made the decision to no longer pursue online wagering independently and is evaluating strategic opportunities. So remember that thing you passed on the garden state highway brandon the the the, the Fubo. that wasn't on the garden state part that was where um, was that that was like on a back road in like northfield <laughs> <laughs> so when brandon passed the uh the fubo, fubo bedding, headquarters fubo which was gaming in headquarters like a world dent- headquarters a dentist office park <laughs> um is no longer going forward after the, I mean, this, remember, this is what made the stock go completely vertical when everyone got all excited that Fubo was going to dominate sports betting because they had hundreds of thousands of subscribers to their negative gross margin BMV. Oh, I, I have one memory of that. Okay. And I think it, it was the Needham conference and Laura Martin yes. was so <laughs> super bullish on Fubo. And she said something like it, she was interviewing um, Gandler. Gandler. And it said something like, oh, and sports betting. We're so bullish on Fubo because of sports betting. I don't know anything about sports betting, though. Can, can you tell us why we should be bullish about Fubo sports betting? And she was like raising her price target in like $50 increments at the time. Well, maybe not 50, but definitely 15. That was priceless. Three for context now. It's up a lot today. Um, cutting costs, trying to stay alive. Uh, so we've got a little um, Greenfield fund now because we've got Pinterest, which surged 21% after Elliott says that it's now the company's largest seller, shareholder and supports the company's CEO. They have new management that Pinterest sounded more competent than they've ever sounded on a conference call. I, with I, think, it went beyond, I think it went beyond that. Why the stock was up? So well, they beat numbers. I mean, yeah. they actually, you know, sort of better than expected numbers. The trajectory for user growth is better. I think it's aging down. I mean, it's funny. My youngest, who's twelve, has been, you know, in the last month and a half, become completely enamored with Pinterest. It's just, it is, you know, they've, they've been talking on the call about how it is aging down, and there is certainly a a real push among um, younger consumers to use it. I think, you know, and I think this is sort of the combination of inspiration, 
shopping, commerce, like Pinterest is sort of, and they've got a lot of work to do in the new. I mean, that's always team. been the thesis that that's Correct. what it could be. Right. But Correct. now you brought an executive in from Google who there is now faith can execute on that Correct. vision. And that's, it's that combination of that and the numbers more so than Elliot's involvement that I think, you know, but we do have some priceless audio to play as well that I just thought we should. Um, we, we should have just played this listeners... at the beginning because I don't know if it's even funny anymore. And operator, we'll take our last question. The final question will come from Rich Greenland or Greenfield. Well, he, he did correct to Greenfield. He did. So it he, was he... one of those moments that Green Rich Greenland that for some reason my Bloomberg lit up. Did you hear that? That was funny. Aha. No one's ever called me green. It ain't, it ain't easy being green, Rich. Well, I but that's why I wanted to do our last slide is all about being green. And this sort of just shocked me this morning when someone the told luck me. Of the I should, Irish? Well, no, someone told me I should go to the Apple homepage. So I just typed in apple.com into my browser and the entire screen is taken over by luck which is the first animated movie i know we've talked about this a few months ago or a couple months ago coming which is the first animated movie from apple made by skydance animation so it's john lassiter from pixar fame uh it's streaming right now on apple tv plus whether or not the movie is amazing i think the more interesting thing is just the level of promotional support that apple's providing to its movie business i mean i gotta believe there's a, an incredible number of people that touch the apple homepage in a day I mean, Skydance on a roll, is it not, Rich? I mean, I mean you know, Top Gun is now one of the biggest movies of all time, right? I think it's top nine or something, like like crazy total numbers now. Yeah, well, uh, you have that. We'll see how Luck does. I mean, the interesting thing about Luck, again, is that it's, it's just... That it's, what? That came out of nowhere. Rich is not on his game today. I guess it really isn't easy being green. <laughs> it isn't uh, not easy being green from Shrek. Wasn't it in Shrek the musical? I remember Walt like singing that. Or is there a different version? Not easy no, being green. I thought Kermit the, the Frog movie. sang it. It's from the Muppet movie. And uh, look behind me. I used Kermit as my background. You know what? I didn't even know that was Kermit because your head is so big. I didn't even know that was Kermit the Frog. My Move head. Move your head. Big. Move your head. There, well, I guess you know what, though, Rich? There's the literal and the figurative. <laughs> that was me. That was really uncalled for. You're basically just talking ego now. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. We, we all have a little bit of ego. Yeah, I'm what, just going to go spend some time reading what, what you wrote last week. <laughs> what, are you do, what are you doing this weekend, Rich? Uh, I am trying to stay cool in this um, ridiculous heat that we're suffering from right now. No, no major plans. Very Walt's, quiet. Walt's still up at uh, the in-laws' house in Cape Cod. Yep. With his and, lobster shirt on for those. And Brendan, are you at the shore with Barry? Are you at the shore with Barry? <laughs> is Barry, is Barry watching this live? Um, I did see Barry. Um, Barry's leaving um, shortly. Uh, got some plumbers to interrogate or something. Uh, that's episode 118, everyone. Have a nice, chill weekend. 
and I will try to make it look easy to be green. Take care, everyone. Oh,